Hi, everyone. I'm Tish Conlon for another episode of Tish Talk. Happy New Year to everyone. Hope everyone had a happy and healthy uh, Christmas break or Hanukkah or whatever you celebrate and uh, wishing everyone a, uh, a great year ahead. It's definitely going to be bumpy. Lots of things happening already. Today we have a repeat guest. Most of you know James Roguski. He has been spearheading the Exit the Who, or as we love to say, ScrewTheWho.com initiatives and work. Amazing, tireless man from California fighting to create awareness around the world and help people exit these incredibly corrupt uh, non-government organizations like the WHO and the UN. Um, and we're going to talk about an update and uh, James going to give everyone a, a, a good message um, of hope, hopefully, and get people to get involved in the process of exiting the WHO. So welcome, James. How are you well, today? I'm, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. You know, I, I do feel that I have good news to bring. It's It's actually old news. But, you know, one of the things I've been I've been observing is it's almost like people have taken the vaccine against good news. Everyone's, you know, focused on gloom and doom and Armageddon. And, you know, here's what they're going to do to us. And, you know, I, I am doing everything I possibly can to bring the truth. And, you know, you don't want to put your head in the sand and hide from the truth, because if you think about it, when your head's in the sand, you're in the perfect position to get a swift kick in the butt. So you want to be aware. You want to be paying attention but you also want to focus on, you know, what is it that you want? Mm -hmm. And what I see a lot of people doing, especially in alternative media, is they're talking about what our, you know, opposition wants, what they want to do to us, mm -hmm. rather than focusing on what we want. Well, you know, I want to live in the world where I'm free to make choices for my own health and not governed by some international organization that thinks that they have any kind of authority whatsoever. And so what I want to start off talking about is news that I've been talking about for three months. I originally published what we're going to watch a little video clip back on October 2nd. And to give this clip a little bit of uh, context so people understand what's going on, uh, I've been reporting for almost two years now about negotiations that the WHO has been conducting with all of the many member nations. So it's not just the WHO, it's 196 nations actually. And they've been meeting in secret and there's two separate documents that are being negotiated and people get them all confused. So many people attribute all of this to a different set of negotiations. Most people refer to that as the pandemic treaty. That's not what I'm going to be talking about today. That's an issue. It's very important. They are currently in the middle of rewriting. The last draft was October 30th. They had meetings in December and they were given instructions, you know, come back at the end of January, beginning of February sometime with a new version of what they now call the pandemic agreement. So, that to me right now is in a state of flux. They're rewriting it. So we shall see what, if anything, they've got meetings scheduled for the end of February. Mm -hmm. That's not what I'm really talking about. Now, what I'm talking about is proposed amendments to the existing international health regulations, which go all the way back to 1969. 
-hmm. And so the, uh, the proposed amendments were submitted way back on September 30th, 2022. Jeez. So almost a, you know, a year and a quarter anyways. And the negotiations have been absolutely secret. Mm -hmm. they, they let us see what the originally submitted proposals were, not in September, but they waited until December more than a year ago. So many people have commented on those proposals, but they've been negotiating in secret for a year. So wow. my take on it is I have to imagine something has changed. Mm -hmm. Well, interestingly enough, in October, on October 2nd, and if you want to queue up the clip, we'll, we'll, we'll play the clip. Um, okay. They actually spoke some truth that I think people need to hear. Oh, excellent. Do you want me to play this now? Yeah, there, there you go. Um, yeah, go right ahead. Make sure the sound is good. And off we go. Oh, shit. Oot. Okay, let me go back. I just. Uh, okay, let me let me redo that. Let me show this. Uh, let me go right back. Here we go. Sorry about that, everybody. This is me and my. Uh, I might have lost that clip. Let me grab it again. Bear with me. Okay. So can you tell us as I'm just going we through should to be in the should be in the chat. You should be able to click on it again. Yeah, we should be good. I to go. will. I will do it again. There we go. And you can't see that yet. So I'll just go, we, uh, have... I'll go back and share that. Okay, here we go, guys. This time. Okay, here we go. So um I'll play this now been uh, operating with the understanding that the package of the proposed amendments resulting from the work of this group would be finalized by January 2024 to meet the four-month deadline stated in Article 55. However, we believe that uh, we all share the same sentiment that uh, realistically the whole package of amendments will probably not be ready by January 2024. We would like to ask the uh, Secretariat whether procedurally we could continue working until the 76th World Health Assembly in May 2024. I'd like to ask the Secretariat to provide some guidance in this matter. Uh, thank you, Co-Chair. Uh, the Health Assembly in decision WHA 75-9 requested the working group, and I quote, to establish a program of work consistent with decision EB 153 and taking into consideration the report of the IHR Review Committee to propose a package of targeted amendments for consideration by the 77th World Health Assembly in accordance with Article 55 of the International Health Regulations, close quote. Article 55 of the IHR, which is referred to in decision 75-9, sets out two procedural requirements relating to proposed amendments. The first one is that, quote, proposals for amendments shall be submitted to the Health Assembly for its consideration, close quote. The second one is that, open quote, the text of any such proposed amendment shall be communicated to all states parties by the director general at least four months before the health assembly at which it is proposed for consideration, close quote. Again, that's the text of the 
relevant article of the IHR, Article 55. That's it. You can you can stop it. Oh, okay, great. The idea here and and so just a second. That is purpose. The, just go back to okay. So the the co-chair of the working group that's in charge of these negotiations of these amendments and their legal counsel essentially said, well, any amendment must shall, which means must mm -hmm. be proposed and put forth four months in advance of the assembly. Well, the assembly is scheduled to begin on May 27th. Four months in advance of that is January 27th. Coming up real fast. It'll be here mm -hmm. before you know it. Okay. If, if they fail and they already said that they they're not going to make it. They don't they haven't reached agreement. If they do not submit amendments to the WHO before January 27th. Sorry, Charlie. You know, we'll see you in 2025. I'll be right here waiting for them. Oh, they really? don't get to they don't get to make any changes in 2024. Oh, good. That's good news. Wow, that's great news. <laughs> okay. Now, they're going to try to cheat. All right. Mm -hmm. I have an hour long video clip from, you know, people don't want to watch that, but you can go on some of my older articles. And after they laid out what the rules very clearly are, they spent an hour that week on Monday and Friday talking about, well, how can we try to get around this? Mm. Okay. So, you know, if you were playing chess or checkers or some board game or any other mm -hmm. game, if you don't know the rules, but you're playing with somebody who knows the rules and they're trying to bend them or, or break them, mm -hmm. you're, you're going to get creamed. Exactly. If you know the rules and you see somebody trying to cheat and you go, hey, um, sorry, you missed your deadline. If they were honorable, what mm -hmm. they would have said in that meeting is, hey, um, we're not going to make it. We'll give you a report as to the status at the moment, but we'll see in 2025 because we don't have what we need to have by the deadline. Who was the person speaking? If you could like both the, the first the, gentleman and then the, the first, second. The first person was Dr. Abdullah Asiri. He's from Saudi Arabia. He's one of the co-chair people of the working group that lead the meetings. Okay. And the second person was Stephen Solomon, who's the legal counsel for the WHO. Oh, okay. And Already? so all they all they were doing was essentially reading Article 55 mm -hmm. of the International Health Regulations. There isn't a loophole in there. It simply says that nations can submit amendments, but if they want to do that, they shall submit them four months in advance of the next assembly when they're going to be considered. And so that deadline is fast approaching. Now, they've scheduled meetings for February and for April. And OK, fine, you guys can keep negotiating. But if you don't submit a package of amendments before January 27th, you don't get to make any changes this year. The whole point of that rule is for the world to have four months to see what they're going to be considering at the World Health Assembly. Mm. Now, I don't know in Canada if you guys are aware of, you know, a story with Nancy Pelosi, and I believe it was with Obamacare, you know, thousand page bill shows up at the last minute. And she famously said something along the lines of, 
oh, just vote for it. You can read it after we adopt it. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. Well, Congress doesn't have a rule against that. They should. Mm -hmm. They don't. Okay. But the international health regulations does have a very clear rule. If you want to make some changes, you got to show what they are four months in advance. Okay. So, now, now that's got nothing to do with the proposed, what they now call the pandemic agreement, pandemic treaty, framework convention, whatever you want to talk about. We'll worry about that, you know, Mm -hmm. In February, when they come out with their newest, latest, whatever they're going to um, rewrite um, for then, don't get confused if they come out with a new version of the treaty. Mm -hmm. That's different, right? right. And, and so it, it's astonishing to me that going all the way back to October 2nd, when that video clip, that's when it came from, um, why aren't people talking about this? Now, I'm not going to claim victory. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to you know, count the proverbial chickens before they're hatched. But the the assembly is supposed to be over on June 1st. It's the last day. So on June 2nd, if nothing was adopted, okay, that's the time, you know, we'll clink some champagne together or something. Jeez, and claim, yeah. And claim victory. Um, but they have told us that they're failing. Right. Now, we love to hear that. <laughs> That doesn't mean you sit on your butt and do nothing. No. It means it means you push even harder. Yes. And, and you demand to know, you know, what is it that they're negotiating? Well, they've been saying for a year, well, we can't tell you what we're negotiating because, you know, it's touchy negotiations. O okay, fine. But you have a deadline. So you're either going to obey the rules. And if you do not submit whatever the final documents are, then you don't get to make any changes because we haven't had a chance to see it. And, you know, if by some miracle they do somehow present amendments, okay, great, then we'll get to see them and we can talk about whatever they presented. Mm -hmm. Now, it is entirely possible that any given nation, Canada, the United States, any group of nations could say, well, you know, the working group hasn't gotten all of this put together, but any nation could submit what they want and say, mm -hmm. okay, we want, you know, Canada could submit amendments and say, hey, this is what we want to do. Or is, is, is there anyone in Canada that is taking on their role? And and can I ask you, there's a few things just to go backwards a bit for my new audience members, mm -hmm. but a quick question before I take you backwards for a second is, who actually uh, is responsible for working on these amendments? That's a question some people have asked me, and it seems like it's hard to find the actual person uh, in each country who's working on amendments. They they do not make it easy. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the way they reveal this information is on the first day of the assembly, mm. when everyone shows up, and shows their credentials, that day they publish who's at the meeting. Mm. So okay? it's not well, an elected person, it's an appointed person. As, as a general rule, it's an appointed person. For most nations, it's their health minister. Mm. And But 
officially now in in Canada this this hurts people's brains so I apologize in advance right um I, I started doing a lot of research with Australia because someone had asked me to do so I dug into what was going on in Australia and I came to find that it's very similar in Canada and New Zealand and it's a shock to most people and and this is something that people do not want to hear. Um, when you look into the constitution in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the laws and the statutes and all that sort of thing, the decision to enter into an international agreement, the power or the authority to do that flows from King Charles yes. to the governor, to the governor general, to the executive branch of government, the prime minister, yes. foreign minister, so forth. Parliament. Privy Council, which is totally appointed as well. Absolutely. The Parliament has nothing to say about it. No, no. Okay. And and people in Australia, very specifically, and, and Canada, New Zealand, it, it, it hurts the brain to accept that there is no representative democracy in no. the regards of arguing and yelling at your members of Parliament about no. foreign decisions is you're barking up the wrong tree. You got to talk to the foreign, foreign minister, the health minister, and the prime minister. Well, we have an incredibly corrupt uh, health minister, Dr. Tam. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a lot we could say there about that person. But um, is there anything, since I'm, you know, taking, um, taking a, a, for myself, I'm running to be our, uh, an MP, mm -hmm. first elected with PPC in the upcoming by-election, the writ will drop soon. So it's very exciting. Is there anything an MP can do who's awake to the agenda in these countries, just since we're on this topic? What sort of power would they have to uh, affect positive change to exit the WHO? You've frozen there for a second, so hopefully it's a, a brief moment. While I'm waiting for James to uh, unfreeze, I wanted to alert everyone to follow him. He's a researcher, author, natural health proponent, activist. He believes the old systems are crumbling rightfully as they should. Don't be afraid of that. It's a good thing. And he has been involved in uh, helping them to crumble and also to build their replacements. Um, he's uncovered documents regarding proposed amendments to international health regulations, um, instrumental raising awareness around the world, um, and has 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 developed an impressive following on his Substack. So I recommend looking into that. Um, and you know his websites as well. So it's James Roguski. Now he must have an internet issue, so he will um, probably come back on shortly. In the meantime, as a situation update, uh, I predicted a very bumpy ride to uh, the start and potentially the entire 2024. Anything could happen. We've had a major earthquake in Japan. Uh, we had a stabbing, uh, thankfully wasn't um, fatal in uh, South Africa. Um, you know, lots of uh, lots of things are, are being uncovered. A lot of people are presenting to councils. I am as well myself um, with a local resident through Action for Canada presenting to local council on the uh, improper oath that they took. 
Um, you know, they pledged an oath to a non-government organization, a foreign elected govern organization that's implementing right before our eyes the climate agenda, very similarly to the COVID agenda. Lots of things about that are very similar. Um, they both have uh, this goal of zero. The first one was zero COVID, and the second one is zero uh, carbon. And most of us on this, uh, uh, most listeners know carbon is not a pollutant. Um, it's it's ridiculous. It's a it's uh, they use fraudulent data as well as computer modeling to achieve their end goals and complete ownership of media using terror messages, fear mongering, and other other things to implement this. A lot of people are very fearful of climate um, still, and as but however, a lot of scientists are taking a courageous stand to fight back, as do every person who's awake to what's going on. They must push back of those uncomfortable conversations. Don't be afraid to disagree or create a little friction, give people a little information because there's a lot of scientists out there now. 1600 um, have signed the Climate Declaration. Dr. John Hauser, who won a Nobel Prize, has uh, gone around. He does uh, goes around telling everyone carbon is not a pollutant. It'll be good to green the planet and things like that. So it's, uh, it's quite an amazing ride we're on. More and more people are stepping into courage. There still is a critical mass of people who don't understand what's going on with uh, with the, the capture of our healthcare system. It's truly horrific in Canada. I think we're ranking 25th, uh, pardon me, 28th out of 30th for countries that have um, so-called universal health care, where the only area we excel in Canada is in made medically assisted and dying. We're the top country in the world. Um, and be, take a note, anyone who, who, is, uh, who is forced through that, could be even for depression now or poverty, is required to sign over their organs. So it's incredibly profitable to Health Canada or corrupt organization. James is back. I filled in the space with a little bit of a situation update, James, and talk more about your uh, substance and how to reach you. Um, so you came at the perfect time. Um, some people are just waking up and joining maybe for the first time. Could you give a very abbreviated message to what's the danger? What's ha like? What would happen if some, an organization like the WHO was in charge? Some people might think, well, that's Maybe there are still people who think it's a good thing. Um, they thought the way they handled the, you know, the COVID uh, adventure was a good thing. What would be the downside in a nutshell? Um, what's, you know, just to, just to highlight for people, if they were to be victorious in all areas, what would we expect life to look like on the dark side? And then on the good side, what are we going to build instead? You know, we talk about this visioning for a better future. So the worst case and then the best case scenario. Let's let's keep it uh, optim re uh, optimizing reality is what I like to talk about as a resilience coach. Well, part of the problem is what people have already heard about and what these documents are. Almost everybody is confused about what has been proposed so far. And so all the way back in February of 2023, the International Health Regulations Review Committee put out a report about the amendments that were submitted way back in September of 2022. 
And since then, I've been very cautious about talking about the details because they're changing. Mm -hmm. And so all of the gloom and doom about what may be happening, I'm, I'm spreading the word that they're not meeting their deadline. Wonderful. And so yeah. the one thing that I am very comfortable talking about is are they having these negotiations to begin with? Now, that seems to have gotten lost in the discussion. The reason why, whether it's the treaty or the amendments, the reason why these negotiations are happening, most people are unaware that in December of 2021, more than two years ago, the relatively poor nations called for a special session of the World Health Assembly. So they actually met twice that year. And what they decided, you have to try to erase all of the things that you think you know that you've learned over the past couple of years, go back in time. And, you know, in 2020, people were afraid of this unknown, whatever the heck it was that everybody calls COVID. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go there. Yeah. Okay. In 2021, the belief was, Oh, you know, I'm going to I'm going to suspend my own personal reality for a while. Oh, there's these wonderful mRNA jabs oh. that are now oh. available. If we could if we could just stick two or three or four of these into everybody on earth, you know, life would just be grand. Mm -mm. Well, what happened was Canada, the United States, European Union, United Kingdom they made um, contracts to get 10 times what they needed. And so there was not enough production to go around. And the relatively poor nations, Africa and so forth, they didn't get access to as many of the jabs as they lucky. felt they needed. Yeah. yeah, they were smart, lucky in retrospect. In, in retrospect, in, in retrospect, it was a blessing, but they still have not awakened to that reality. So they called for these negotiations, which are essentially about a trade dispute. Now, really? if it was Wait, this is water, huge. This yeah. is really huge because for me, this is new, like really big new information. I was under the impression now falsely, I, I might, that Africa was much, was awake to how toxic all of these jabs are coming from the you know gates foundation and all these because they've had they've been experimenting on them and so many people have succumbed i thought a lot of them understood the agenda with these shots but you're saying they don't they're not awake they're not that awake in africa well many well, many people do. And so, you know, there's one point something billion people in Africa. There's more people in Africa than North and South America combined. Okay. Most people don't really. I mean, there's a lot of people in Africa. No, and I so know. many, 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 many people are aware. Mm -hmm. But okay. you gotta you gotta compartmentalize it and and realize that in the end of 2021, the vast majority of people, certainly in government, were right. drinking Kool-Aid and they wanted yeah. more jabs. Okay. And so they felt, you know, if it if it had been food and water and Canada and the United States and the European Union had bought up all the food and water and weren't sharing it mm -hmm. equitably, you could see how poor nations being denied say, hey, wait a minute, you know, something's wrong here. Right. I now, get it. 
-hmm. what they're arguing about what what they're arguing about is not whether or not you should use these injectable genetic you know manipulating bioweapons mm -hmm. um on your own people they want a piece of the pie mm -hmm. they want investment and intellectual property and they you know build laboratories to find more pathogens to bring into the lab to do mm -hmm. gain of function and make more products that make more profit mm -hmm. now that's the kind of thinking that probably is what got us into this problem in the first place yes so if they're negotiating that kind of a setup to end pandemics you, you got to scratch your head and go well wait a minute it seems like that's what you would do to keep them going. Is that what they are negotiating? Now, this is also new information. They want gain-of-function labs, because wouldn't it be a good idea if we got rid of all these gain-of-function labs all over the world, these bio labs, shut them down? We don't want any more. We should be shutting them all down. They've done zero good for humanity. Wow. In, in the terminology that they use, okay, primarily in the amendments, the language that they have in Annex 1 and in the new Annex 10 is they say that nations have to build their core capacities. And in those annexes, in all of the gobbledygook language that they use, they talk about surveillance. Mm. Now, when most people hear surveillance, it's a different kind of surveillance. They want to be testing your um, chicken coop, your pigsty, you know, if you're a farmer, they want to check your septic system or your your pet, you know, their stool sample when they go to the veterinarian's office. They want to stick swabs up your nose or wherever and surveil whatever genetic material they might be able to find. That's okay? scary. And That's if they I right. And and so what's actually going on with these negotiations, I've looked at from the beginning as really a venture capital prospectus. They want investment from wealthy nations into the relatively poor nations to build these laboratories and the capacity to do genomic sequencing and, and study. And then in return, they want benefits for that information of you know, having the ability to get the intellectual property and manufacture in country more mRNA jabs and drugs and so oh. forth to inject their own people. That way they get a piece of the pie. Well, this the is pie insane that nobody wants. Once you comprehend. Yeah, I mean, it's like a science fiction movie, and except it's really happening. That's what's hard for people to get their head around, yep. the, the level of... Uh, malevolence now can you comment i know uh netanyahu was bragging about how his country was sort of the the guinea pig for pfizer and they were like gave away they were harvesting all the data on the people um how they reacted to the shots and everything from a genetic perspective so it can be i don't know what the words were he used exactly but he just right right away admitted it that they want to use all this information collected uh, stolen from people from their genetic uh, responses to these injections and what could be done further basically was sort of the starting point one can only imagine and, and that kind of data collection and, and that kind of data collection they did not have the infrastructure 
all over the world to do that in relatively poor nations. Okay. Right. And so the I, I, I call it the pharmaceutical hospital emergency industrial complex. It's actually like five times bigger than the military industrial complex. Mm -hmm. And so luckily there's a saying, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. But in this particular case, the greed of the wealthy nations wanting to hold on to their intellectual property combined with the greed of the relatively small nations and their, quite frankly, insanity of wanting more jabs and having the ability to manufacture them and profit from them, those opposing forces have not been able to reach agreement. So mm -hmm. the good that comes out of those two bad things you know, it might be the case that two wrongs do make a right, but they're having difficulty putting all of these competing forces into an acceptable agreement to all the parties. And that's to our benefit. Is and there so, not any country who's awake, uh, their leadership now was Slovenia? Was that Slovenia who spoke that they wanted to get out of the, which country oh, was the, it? Slovakian prime minister Slovakia. Um, has spoken out very strongly um, against the agreement, the treaty, and all these sort of things. Um, there's a new government in New Zealand who at least has taken some small steps to say, you know, we need more time to look at this because they're, you know, they're newly in, in office. And, you know, ultimately uh, what we need is new governance. And in the United States, um, there's a piece of legislation that has been submitted in both houses, tandem, you know, identical legislation in the House and the Senate. Um, I know your audience is, you know, maybe not mostly the United States, but in the U.S., you can go to stoptheglobalagenda.com, and you'll see that it's basically a legislation to get out of the WHO and the United Nations. And um, I've worked with people in Canada. Anybody can go to canadianpetition.com. If you want to pull that one up, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Canadianpetition.com okay. is an official parliamentary petition to call on the parliament to craft legislation to exit the, oh, that's the video from before. It's the other, there you go. Um, you if, you, if you scroll down, I won't bore everybody. I'll just read the last line. Um, we, the undersigned citizens and residents of Canada, call upon the House of, oh, too far down, call upon the House of Commons in Parliament assembled to urgently implement Canada's expeditious withdrawal from the UN and all of its subsidiary organizations, including the World Health Organization. Now, this has been running for about three months. It's got one more month. It will um, stop collecting signatures on February 7th. So far, it's got 64,000 and some signatures. Um, all anybody needs to do is remember CanadianPetition.com. Tell everybody um, to look it over, read it, sign it if you agree. The WHO um, has got so many things wrong with it. I use the analogy of if you knew somebody who was in an abusive relationship, would you advise them to negotiate better terms or would mm -hmm. you just say you need to leave? I have and a question. So this is, uh, you know, you know, say I'm, a, you know, I'm elected and I'm starting this new job. I don't know. I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, but I'm ready to tackle it. 
what can an MP do? Like, so say Leslie and Lewis and I were standing together, we got collectively now over 100,000 signatures. What leverage would Parliament have when you say that, you know, it's largely um, unelected officials who are, um, who have the power, you know, the king down through the governor mm -hmm. general and the privy council. So what leverage could we exert for the people to exit the WHO? I'm I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on you know parliamentary procedures, but okay. I can I can speak to the United States, right? Okay, um, sure. And and I think there's a similarity. Um, basically, we have had many people nagging our congressmen and senators, and they finally put forth legislation. We refer to it as companion legislation because we have the the House and the Senate. Yes, and and so. Um, we're seeking to get support for a piece of legislation calling on the president to exit the United Nations and exit the WHO, take away the money from those organizations. Last time I checked, I think Canada donated like 70 or $80 billion. Don't quote me. I'm oh, sorry. Million, million dollars um, to the WHO. Wow. And, and so, you know, there's money going down a black hole into yes. the WHO, uh, the question is what benefit, what benefit at all do the Canadian people get from None. its organization? It's what you get is control without any say in you know what rules and regulations they're going to change. And, and so um, yeah. I, I would imagine that there's a, a private member law that could be submitted as a member of parliament Yes. And, um... uh, we've lost James again for a minute, but yes, there are things that we can do. I know in the States, um, I don't know the number exactly, but there's over 30 congressmen and senators. There's a large number now um, pushing and declaring that the, the shot needs to be stopped. And I know in Florida, Dr. Joseph Latipo has uh, issued uh, a strong statement that the, he, the, based on the overwhelming harm that's been done, that these uh, COVID injections need to be stopped. Um, I know we had uh, really um, sad data in Canada on the decline in the, the sort of a huge number of unexplained deaths um, over the last two years post-injection, and then also a significant and startling decline in life expectancy as well posted. So uh, the only real critical thing is to put that very simple dot together um, that seems to be hard for some people and connect the two so that the harm can be stopped and, and no one else has another one of these put in their arms. I know some people are up to six even seven I've heard. Um, and it just, it is Russian roulette. Absolutely. 100%. It's all downside, zero upside, except the, uh, the benefit of a, uh, the placebo effect, which is the only effect that, um, you know, our belief systems are so incredibly strong that, and, and people see that is that, that it's easy to program, you know, biological life forms, human beings, program them in a direction that is uh, totally uh, like devoid of any reality picture. 
um, and, and have them regurgitate information just based on what their media or government has told them. So James, I was uh, filling people in. Sorry, everyone, it's an internet issue. James is in California. We know it's the electric state, <laughs> your grid issues. But I was talking about how it's coming now with uh, the leadership of the U.S., with congressmen and senators mm -hmm. putting forward motions to stop the shot as well. Uh, overwhelming evidence. I don't know the exact number of congressmen and senators, but it's an impressive number, as well as Dr. Joseph Ladapo has issued a statement that they're mm -hmm. not safe and need to be stopped. Many doctors here in Canada who I've you know, worked with loosely, Dr. Trozzi, and I know Dr. Mackis has, has come forward with horrific allegations of sexual abuse with uh, young uh, people with uh, the Alberta... Um, health authority which is probably the most corrupt in Canada and the premier there is doing a good job of trying to break them up without alarming the people so lots is going on can you paint a picture of how healthcare could be just leave us on a positive so people can start to step into not only pushing back to crumple these old corrupt systems but then also reimagining healthcare. You know, what would it look like if your doctor was incentivized to have fewer patients, to keep you healthy, to keep you off prescription medication? What if they got a bonus, like for the, the fewest people that show up instead of getting incentivized to write prescriptions to keep you unhealthy? You know, we're looking, looking at other options of having integrated medicine models where you had you know, chiropractic, you had naturopaths involved, maybe people like energy healing, um, whatever it is, you know, acupuncture whatever uh, alternative therapies could be included in your budget so you could you could choose what you wanted i mean those are just you know a couple of ideas what do you well think? you know I, I i didn't realize that you were going to uh, talk about that and you know i have an ongoing project in addition to all that i do um if people can simply remember informed dash dissent.com not consent but dissent informed dash dissent com basically working on model legislation for every nation around the world um, to strengthen the rules protecting our freedoms and not wow. the least not the least of which is our freedom to choose not just pharmaceutical drugs or surgery or chemotherapy or injections or whatever but you know it's actually the law in Canada that you know practitioners can provide, any treatment, so long as it's shown to be less dangerous than the accepted pharmaceutical practice. And so the vast majority of natural care, the downside is minimum, not, not to be you know discounted, there is potentially some downside, but anytime you hear anyone use the phrase safe and effective, you should understand immediately that they are lying. Because mm -hmm. nothing in life is 100% safe and nothing is effective for everybody. What they are obligated to tell you with any given therapy is here are the potential risks. Here are the potential benefits. Here are the risks and the benefits of doing nothing. And here are the risks and benefits of doing this, that, or the other. Mm -hmm. Anyone who ever says the phrase safe and effective is lying 
Yes, I'll tell you a funny story. It's not actually very, I say funny, but it was, it's actually horrifying. What we've come to in society um, is I had a, a bit of a mini getaway with my son. We went to St. Lucia. Someone had warned me about this, but as we were descent, just about to descend, a lady comes along and I mark my word, she has a big spray bottle and guess what it's called says on it. It says safe spray. That was enough to trigger all of my because they think we're so dumb they just put the word safe on it i had her bring it to me it was a toxic highly toxic um herbicide that she claimed needed to be sprayed even though it says on it when i went to the company website do not use an enclosed space highly toxic very very harmful for the lungs of course everyone who's had all these jabs it'll be even worse um, so she sprayed us and they let it sit in the air for 20 minutes. I said, I'm allergic. Whatever I said, she wouldn't listen. She just sprayed me anyways with everyone else, sprayed us all like bugs to terminate. That's what they've gotten away with under the guise of protecting the farms. Like this is what we've got, you know, yeah. it is. So, and so um, I, I have a daily Zoom um, at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Um, so translate that for Eastern would be 1 a.m. I mean, 1 p.m. Um, and so uh, there are laws that need to be enacted to strengthen the protections of the rights that we all know that we have. And anybody who wants to work on that project, um, I always give everyone my phone number. It's 310-619-3055. Again, 310-619-3055. That particular webpage is informed-descent.com. And, you know, 2024, uh, there's good news coming from the WHO in the sense that they're failing. Mm -hmm. um, with the agreement, they're, they're currently rewriting it. Mm -hmm. So we shall Excellent. see maybe come yeah. February uh, it, what they may well, have. And, wow. Uh, looking forward to a great year. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, thank you. And I think you planted some seeds for people, not just destroying the old, but building the new. And I believe I felt very much called uh, to, to for a political leadership role as a, you know, as a, you know, uh, an entrepreneur and mostly as a, a holistic um, person who, and who's really dived deep into how we can heal, how powerful mm -hmm. the human being is, is really how we can overcome so much. They've put so much toxins in the air so long, and yet we're all still standing. <laughs> and with, um, you know, with a, with, a, with change through legislation and laws, we could build an incredible integrated medicine model. We could bring natural treatments and alternative treatments and, and actual, you know, drugs, which ones are effective to the forefront to help people heal. And I know I've interviewed Dr. Mackis from Canada who had a thriving business, well, it wasn't a business pr a practice for curing cancer with isotopes. Um, and then that was shut down because he was actually working in Alberta. Um, so once we overcome all this corruption, it's going to be, you know, so much better. I mean, it's going to be a very, very good future. Um, and people learning to actually take care of their health instead of handing it over to someone else for a pill 
or this and that. So thank you so much, James. I'm very interested in this informed um, dash consent, dis dissent uh, work. Yes, pardon me. Um, and, you know, if I'm uh, elected, I'll have to delve further in that and um, and learn more how we can uh, mirror that here in Canada. So thank you for all your hard work. God bless. Have a wonderful year. And we'd love to catch up with you later this year if you're free for an update, a situation update. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful year. You too. Bye now. Bye.